Welcome to Hope for the Home. Here at Faith Baptist Church, we take the home very seriously. We believe that God's Word will give us just what we need to heal, to build, to encourage, and to strengthen our families. On this new podcast, you'll hear various speakers bring their personal lives and the Word of God together and apply these truths to dating, marriage, training of our children, even growing old together. I'm sure you'll enjoy these messages based on the Word of God. There will be new messages every week, and it's our prayer that these messages will bring you hope for the home. I'll start reading at verse number 4 and read through verse number 10. In fact, I don't think I'll read quite that much because it's a little later than I thought it was. Starting with verse 4. Thou art beautiful, O my love, as Tirzah, comely as Jerusalem, terrible. And that word terrible means awesome or magnificent. You have a wonderful way to put it. As an army with banners. Turn away thine eyes from me, for they have overcome me. Thy hair is as a flock of goats that appear from Gilead. Now look down to verse number 8. There are threescore queens and fourscore concubines and virgins without number. My love, my undefiled, is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bear her. The daughters saw her and blessed her, yea, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. Who is she that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners? Father, we come to teach the book. Help us as we teach it tonight. Help us to teach it aright, please. Bless our study. May it benefit each married person in this room and those that will be. May we learn to treat each other properly because we come to these studies. In Jesus' name, amen. Help us as we study together. May our marriages be a little more peaceful, a little more loving, a little more lovable, a little more gracious, a little more tender because we spent this time together this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the ninth in our study on the in the treatment of the bridegroom by the bride and the treatment of the bride by the bridegroom in the Song of Solomon. In order to teach as I want to teach tonight, I'm going to have to re- review the, the, the story of the Song of Solomon as I see it. I adhere, adhere to the shepherd's theory of the Song of Solomon, which means that there was a beautiful young lady a very, very attractive young lady. She was seen by King Solomon, and King Solomon wanted to add her to his harem, and uh, which, of course, was a tremendous big thing for a young lady in those days. And But this young lady was in love with a poor shepherd lad, just a common shepherd boy, a lad. And uh, King Solomon asked her to join his harem and come to the palace. And she said no. He offered her everything that a king could offer. You imagine wealth and and apparel and and gold and jewelry and popularity and fame and all of that. But she said no. I've got a little shepherd boy that I love and I I want to spend my life with him. Well, Solomon couldn't understand that. Neither could anybody else. 
but she could. Now this story is a story that that is the treatment of this young wife and her young husband of each other and how they treated each other. Now I want you to notice tonight the first verse is chapter 6 and verse number 4. The first line really, verse 4. Thou art beautiful, O my love. Well, I'll read the whole verse. As, as Terza, comely as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. Now, look at me. <clears throat> First thing I want you to notice, he continues to tell her how beautiful she is. Every husband ought to constantly remind his wife of how lovely she is. For example, that, this is the first time the word beautiful is mentioned in the Song of Solomon. You'd find it mentioned one time later. By the way, so we don't take notes here while I'm talking. We just we sit up straight and listen. Nobody takes notes, so follow me carefully. Um, it's the first time the word beautiful is mentioned in the Song of Solomon. It is mentioned one time later. But nine times in the Song of Solomon, he says to her, Thou art fair, which is another word for pretty or beautiful. He says <coughs> five times, Thou art comely which is not another word for a beautiful or attractive. Five times he says that you're the one, or she says, I'm the one who, who his soul loveth. He said, it is said that his soul loved her five times. He calls her my beloved, or she calls him one, 18 times my beloved. The words my love are mentioned 12 times. The words fairest among women mentioned three times. Now, there are only 117 verses in the entire Song of Solomon. So you have uh, twice beautiful, nine times fair, five times comely, five times my soul lover, 18 times my beloved, 12 times my love, and three times various among women. Then, you also have in these 117 verses, you have 61 figures of speech that show love for each other. For example, one says, thy stature is like a palm tree. Now that's a figure of speech for her to brag on him, and thy stature is like a palm tree. Another figure of speech, he says, my dove, that means my peaceful one, my loving one, my gentle one. And then this verse, he says, you are as beautiful as Terza. Terza was the prettiest city in all the land. And uh, it had originally been the capital city for the original northern kingdom. When Jeroboam established the northern kingdom, he established the city of Terza. And the city of Terza became the capital city of the northern kingdom. And it was the West Palm Beach, Florida. It was the Palm Springs, California. It was the Honolulu, Hawaii. It was the beautiful place, and he said, you're as beautiful as the most beautiful city in the world. And then he said, as comely as Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the holy city. He was saying, you're important. You're holy. You're beautiful like Terza. You're holy like Jerusalem. So I'm saying all of these things. Now what I'm saying here, if all these different terms are used again and again and again, and it's 61 times a different figure speech is used to show love. It says to me four things. We're to be looking for new ways to say I love you. 
Now, you, you'll never beat the I love you. But, but looking for new ways to say I love you. Uh, I'm not sure I should say this. Uh, but I'm going to. Stop the air. Um, where I grew up, we had a little deal. Now, of course, we would never do it single. Um, uh, mother and I did it. You squeeze somebody's hand four times. That means, do you love me? And then squeeze back, yes, I do. Then squeeze twice, how much? And both of you go, ooh. We had a, I had a friend named Bob Keyes in school. Bob Keyes was a nut. He is crazy. His lights were on, but nobody was home. And Bob was was the playboy of the school. He became a preacher later on, which is about the same thing. But he, uh, Bob Keyes, was the was the was the real. He he went with a girl named Sylvia Jensen, and they'd hold hands. We we had auditorium. Didn't have chapel. We had auditorium in the public school there, two thousand seat auditorium, and. Uh, Bob and Sylvia would hold hands, and they'd rub hands like that, and she'd rub his hand, he'd rub hers, and Bob would go, do you love me? And Sylvia would go, yes, I do, and Bob would go, We're having a movie one day, and I was sitting behind Bob and Sylvia. Well, they weren't holding hands. So I reached up and grabbed Bob's hand between the seats there. And I started rubbing his hand, he rubbed mine back like that. I rubbed his like that, and he rubbed mine back like that. So I held his hand, and I went, do, mm-hmm. And he went, yes, I do. I said, how much? And I went, it, It's amazing I'm alive. It really is. Uh, the, the police came and saved my life, I'll tell you for sure. But this house, and I still do that. We have 51 years. We still do that. Yeah. Another night, her toe happened to hit mine in bed. So she tapped my toe four times. I tapped back three times. She tapped back twice, and I kicked her. And uh, and uh, now, there's a man no fishing when he hears it. <laughs> but now. Uh, I said, yeah, I'm saying that you ought to be looking for new ways to say I love you. We ought to be looking for new ways to show our love. Uh, thou art fair nine times, comely five times, my soul loveth five times, beautiful twice, my love twelve times, my beloved eighteen times. Now, and then 61 figures of speech to show love. Now, we ought to be looking for new ways to say I love you, new ways to show our love, new ways to compliment each other, and new ways to help each other. Uh, for example, uh, buy a little funny card sometime. Yeah, listen to me now. Buy a little funny card sometime. Yeah, I, I like to stop and look at little funny cards, uh, the clean ones, and Brother Eddie looks at the other kind. And... Uh, I, uh, if I find a cute little card, I'll send it to Ms. Hiles. 
And, uh, and I talk about something that's that's, that's going to be ridiculous or something that's going to be uh, satire. I'm just not one to use satire. Uh, and uh, it really hurts when you when you when you, when you, when you this is Thanksgiving. You're treating me like this. I'm an old man. I'm a sick old man too. I uh, a phone call, a telegram, flowers, candy, uh, <clears throat> paging somebody at, at, at a public place, and they come and say, "What's the deal? I love you. That's all." Um, a special card for a special day, like Happy Groundhog Day. Um, a happy Mother's all day, instead of your wife, just so that these were cheaper than the happy anniversary cards or something. And, but let me say this. New ways. Uh, this is a very personal, but, I, but I, I love this kind of thing. We came to, thank you, it was Christmas last year. <coughs> and I got, I got an idea. I got an idea. You've seen these grandma rings? Uh, a stone for the birthday of every grandchild. Well, we had our first date in August, <coughs> and uh, we got married in October, not the same year, but um, our, our marriage date's October. Uh, our first date was August. Our wedding study was in uh, November. That's that year. That's right if we got married. Nobody's home tonight, I can tell it. And um, uh, then I told her I loved her in December. We got engaged in January. So I, I bought her a ring. Had a little diamond right in the middle of it. And uh, I had the, then the stone for August and the stone for uh, November, the stone for December and the stone for January and the stone for October all around it. And uh, it, the, a stone for each one of those special days. Now... He said, well, I wish I were creative. You're not creative. You're not, it's, not, 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 it's not that. You're mentally lazy. That's your problem. Uh, think of new ways. Sit down and plan new ways to say I love you. The, the book that I wrote about Ms. Howes was simply another way of saying I love you. And uh, so the uh, the Song of Solomon starts off in the verse a while ago saying, uh, uh, Thou art beautiful. Now look, if you would please, to verse number... Verse number five. <laughs> Turn away thine eyes from me, for they have overcome me. Let me stop and say this just very briefly. It is generally understood that somewhere in here there had been a little tiff between the two lovers. Now, I'm not surprised that that's true, because God puts the warts in the Bible as well as he does the good parts. And there seems to be a little tiff here between the lovers and... <laughs> And I want you to notice in a few minutes how he behaved toward her after the little tip. But first I want to say this. It's best, if you can, to avoid the tip, to avoid the problem, to avoid the fuss. Now, nobody is going to get married and live forever without having some little disagreement. Um, but, but the truth is, there are ways to avoid them. Two ways. Number one is, find out what causes your trouble, and avoid the circumstances that lead to it. One of the most important things in, in our marriage is that there, there are certain subjects. Okay, give me an example. <clears throat> Years ago, Mrs. Hiles said to me, she said, uh, I wonder why 
uh, I won't tell you which child it was. It may have been Becky, maybe been Linda, maybe been Cindy. But see, I wonder why they used babysitters so much. Now, what I wanted to say is what cotton-picking business is in yours? But I was afraid to say that. Now, if it didn't say that, I wanted to say, if you remember very carefully, your mother said the same thing about us about 125 years ago. When our kids were little, your mother said those very same things about us. I didn't say to one of them. Because I saw that we differed on that. So, <clears throat> I'll say it was Cindy. I'm not sure it was Cindy, but I'll say it was Cindy. By the way, they do use babysitters too much. But, and only that, the high school girls are old enough not to have babysitters. But, um, I, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't tell her what I felt. I didn't tell her that I disagreed with her. I simply said, by the way, how, how is Cindy doing? Uh, have you heard from her lately? Now, the two things that are wise to, to avoid this. One is, you, you know what you disagree on, then don't talk about it. And then, number two, never respond, ne ne never speak disagreement. Never speak disagreement. If she says something you don't agree with, don't tell her you don't agree with it. Uh, if he says something you don't agree with, don't tell her. Fifty percent of all of your fusses and tiffs and arguments will be, be prevented if you will find out the situations that create certain animosity and if you will avoid those situations. I, I, I would not even tell you at all, but, but, but there's so many things that, that couples are going to disagree on. Well, avoid those situations that, that would bring up the possibility of potential disagreement. And then, never speak disagreement. Uh, <clears throat> for example, uh, wasn't that a beautiful trio a while ago, somebody says? And maybe you don't think it was so hot. I know I didn't. But uh, maybe you don't think it was so hot. But you don't say it wasn't so hot. Or... Uh, uh, just, just don't speak disagreement. All right? Now, then there seems to be a misunderstanding. Now, look back at, at verse number five again, please. And let's see what happened at this misunderstanding. <laughs> Turn away thine eyes from me, for they have overcome me. Thy hairs is a flock of goats that appear from Mount Gilead. Now, the next few verses, Look at me. The next few verses, he says the same things he said to her back yonder when things were going well. They had their little disagreement, but he still loved her and still told her. They had their disagreement, but she was still beautiful. And he still told her that she was beautiful. Don't let your little disagreement change your opinion of each other. And and don't let it keep you from saying, I love you still. Uh, stick your tongue out and I love you, you stinker. But 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 the, the same nice things that he said beforehand, he said after their little tiff. Now look at verse number eight, please, we've got to hurry. Verse number eight. 
There are three score queens and four score concubines and virgins without number. Now, I want to stop right there and explain what that means. Perhaps at this particular time in the kingdom, the king had 60, uh, had, had, uh, 60 queens, three score, and four score concubines. That means he had 60 wives and uh, 80 concubines. And he said, countless number, I think the word countless is what is used there, uh, virgins without number. So they had, he had 60 queens, he had uh, 80 concubines, and innumerable number of virgins. Now, here's what, what he's talking about. The queens were those that had been chosen in the past as the most beautiful ladies in the kingdom. The king could have anybody he wanted, except this one little gal he wanted. He couldn't have her. He couldn't have her because she had the shepherd lad she loved. But the king had chosen, in the past, most beautiful women for his head. Now, these women had, had not grown ancient, but they were now older, maybe middle age, but still beautiful. The most beautiful women of their age in the entire kingdom. But now the king had found others that were attracted to him, who were younger, and they're called concubines. Now, they were, were coming toward the queen position, but they're concubines. Now, these, please, what I'm talking about this is not the concept. This is a sexual subject here, but I want you to get this. Sixty women, the most beautiful of recent years, eighty women, Chosen now to be the most beautiful women in the whole kingdom for his harem. And it says, virgins without number. That means that the king had innumerable number of beautiful young women. He was considering the concubines. And I'm not saying this is right. I'm saying it's wrong. Uh, polygamy has never been right. Bigger has never been right, but this is this is a fact of life. And the king had sixty women that had been chosen recently as the most beautiful. He had eighty that were chosen presently as the most beautiful. And he had an, an innumerable group that were virgins that were the most beautiful young ladies in the whole nation. That means. This man, young man was saying to his wife, you take all of the beautiful queens the king has chosen, add to that all the beautiful concubines that have taken the place in his amour and love life, so to speak, of the queens. And all of these gorgeous young ladies that are virgins that still long to be in the harem of the king. Solomon, this young man is saying, look at those 60, look at the 80, and look at all those others. He's saying, you march the most beautiful young adult women you can, and right behind them you put the most beautiful uh, young women you can, and right behind them you put the most beautiful 
older teenage women you can? And he said, they're prettier than all of them put together. That's what he's saying. Look at it. Verse number eight. <clears throat> there are three score queens and four score concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my undefiled, is but one. He's saying, you give me her and let the king have all he wants. He's saying, listen, you just care for me. Your wife ought to have the assurance that she is the one in your life. And you should never even mention the Back down the street from where in the pretty woman, you shouldn't say, and, and women, same thing to you. Who needs to say he's a nice looking guy? My wife never says, Jeff, you got me, what do you want? You don't shouldn't lie, look at the past. Nobody says that, are they? But he said, you don't know what? He said, I'd rather have you. And those 60 beautiful young middle-aged ladies, those 80 beautiful young ladies, all those countless, the prettiest older teenagers in the whole kingdom, he said, you're the one I want, the only one I want, and you're to me as beautiful as well. You are a combination of all of them put together. Now, look at verse number 9 again, please. My dove, not undefiled, is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bear her. Now, what she's saying there, she's her mother's favorite. I want to say this to you. Young men, you check very carefully before you marry somebody how she treats her parents. That's more important than whether she's pretty or not. That's more important than her face, her figure, her hair, her eyes, because she's going to treat the person she lives with later on like she treats the people she lives with now. So you check and see how she treats her mom and how she treats her dad. I want to say this, young people, if you're a teenager or a junior hire, I don't care who you are. If you don't treat your mom right, I hope nobody asks you to marry him. If you don't treat your dad right, I hope nobody asks you to marry him. Now, there needs to be a revival in this church and every church in America a proper treatment of our moms and dads. Now, the honest simple truth is, he said to her, he said, you're beautiful, but fully on that beauty, what good does it matter if she's not going to be easy to live with? Now, let me say this. You treat your parents with respect, honor, courtesy, kindness, obedience. So she was close to her mother. Now look, please, you would down to verse 9 again. My dove, my undefiled, is but one. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of her that bear her. It's a very interesting statement here. The daughters saw her and blessed her. The daughters 
that's that countless number of virgins while ago. They saw this woman, young wife, and they blessed her. Look at it again now. And yea, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. What does it mean? It means this. Other ladies admired her. Now look at me carefully. A good barometer of a person is what does his own gender think about him? I'm looking at Carl Hatch. Carl Hatch is a man's man. And men love Carl Hatch. He lives in San Francisco. <coughs> no, he's a man's man. You, I'm thinking right now of a young man came to house into college, always hanging around the girls. Now, I think you ought to find you one. I think you ought to love her. Yeah, I've been teaching about that now all these weeks. But don't you, don't, don't give me a fella who'd rather hang about a, about a bunch of females than a bunch of males. Don't give me that kind of guy. We had a young fellow house there since college, came to college. Every girl in the college wanted to date him. I mean, good-looking guy. And, and what he did, he'd, he'd just get a girl, and what wouldn't be a girlfriend, just like to talk to her. And he'd, he'd break her heart. Never never tell her he, he, she was his girlfriend. He just didn't like to hang around, around girls instead of guys. Now, now, you listen to me. You give me a real man whose personality tracks men. I'm talking about a real Man enjoys the company of men. Bill Burr, same way. I, I'm praying for Ed Lapina to understand what I'm saying tonight. But but all of these guys are performed the same way. Now, and by the way, fellas, you watch out for these tomboys. They're every every boy's buddy. Look out for them. You can be a young lady that the other young ladies admire. And give me a young man that the other young men admire. And that's what it says here. It says that, in verse number 9, it says the daughters saw her and blessed her, yea, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. So she spoke to her mother. She was praised by other females, people of her own gender, Other ladies admired her. I want you to see this too. Those who had a right to be jealous of her praised her. She was prettier. Solomon thought so. He wanted her. She was prettier than any of those 60 queens. Prettier than any of those 80 concubines. She was prettier than any of those multitude of young single ladies, those virgins. She's the prettiest of all. But they were not jealous of her. I don't know why. But this is the kind of fellow that he had. Now, one last verse. Verse 10. 
Who is she that looketh forth as the morning? Fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and terrible as an army with banners. I want you to notice those two, 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 two statements. Fair as the moon, and clear as the sun. Look at me and we'll be finished. Where'd she get her beauty? Where did she get her beauty? Look at me. Number one, the sun. The sun has its own light. So she was like the sun in the fact that she had her own beauty. There was something about her that was beautiful. A unique beauty. But then he said also, says, uh, clear as the sun and fair as the moon. Now the moon's different. The moon has no light of its own. The moon reflects the light of the sun. So here's the young lady who had her own unique beauty, but that wasn't all. She was a reflection of others around her that had added to her beauty. Now, let me say this. You will reflect those with whom you associate. Every past man in this room has ever pastored tell you this. You can tell it on a person's face when he's been around a gossip. I can stand in the pulpit. I don't see anybody here tonight like that, and it's been a long time since I have, but I guarantee you, I can tell you when a fellow's been running around the gossips. Can you see it in his face? It's there. It's that poker look in his face. It's almost like a corpse. Uh, you can spot it. We have, we've had time or two men, men in the choir like that. Uh, yeah, although I'm wrong section, I'm sorry. But, but folks have said, what's wrong with so-and-so in the choir? Say exactly what's wrong. He's been hanging around with gossips. It shows on your face. You can't help but reflect the person are persons that you associate. <laughs> 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 Ninety-five percent of the time, when a young person runs off from home, they've been associating with somebody else who runs off from home. It's reflection. Now, okay, son. Young ladies, it's your natural beauty, as the sun, the sun has its own light, <clears throat> but your natural beauty is not all the beauty you need. You need the beauty that is reflected in you for the lives of people. Let me illustrate. Many years ago, many years ago, Mrs. Castillo, Belinda Castillo, decided that she was going to get the teenager to First Baptist Church to know Brother Hiles. It's a huge church. There's no way that I can get around and shake everybody's hand. I can't go to all the activities. Belinda Castillo decided that she was going to get the teenage young ladies to know Brother Hiles. All of a sudden, because of her, 
young ladies of our church began to decorate my door. They began to come by and see me. They began to sing at me when I when they'd see me walk by. We love you, preacher. Oh yes, we do. We don't love anyone as much as you. All those young ladies have been doing now for all these years is reflecting Belinda Castillo. That's all they've been doing. You, you hang around at school, the complainers, the rule breakers. It'll show. You reflect. And you adults, go ahead. You go out to eat with the folks that are, that are carry whoppers with us here. It'll show on your face. It really will. So this young lady, this young man said to her, he said, you're, you're lovely like the sun. You have your own beauty, your own radiance, radiance. But he said, you're also lovely like the moon. Why? Because you've let the loveliness of others. I was thinking, i got to close in about one minute. But you let people go through the class of people like Mary Ruth Harrington here at this church and sit in that Sunday school class. You let people sit in classes like that. That lady has taught Sunday school for many years. Let those young ladies sit like that. I promise you, those young ladies will come out with a beauty that's not only their own natural beauty, but they'll come out with a beauty that is reflected by those that have taught them. I, I, I'm looking right now, I was while I go, I'll tell you right now, but at a young man who came here, first Baptist, he said, I've come to get a wife. I've come to get a wife. He said, How, first Baptist girls, are the best wives in the world. I've come to get a wife. And he got one. And I could tell you case after case after case after case. You know why? Because they've been influenced and they've radiated and reflected the beauty of beautiful spirits of women who rubbed off on them. They have their own beauty and they have the beauty of reflection. Beautiful as the sun, I trust that message was an encouragement to you and your family. Hope for the Home is designed to provide information, encouragement, and challenge that our homes would be more pleasing to God. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming messages.